Does it sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Die Hard Father's Day special, mac and cheese, next. When your weekend's all spin up and Monday's coming down the pike, sometimes all you need is a little comfort to get you through to Monday. Mac and Cheese Movies, where we believe in comfort food and comfort movies. We thank you one and all and wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year! It's Christmas Eve in L.A. But a team of terrorists... You want money? What kind of terrorists are you? Who said we were terrorists? Have their own holiday plans. And I'm telling you, you just got to kill me. Okay. We do it the hard way. But the one thing they didn't plan on was New York cop John McLean. Got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew? Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, mother... Welcome to Mac and Cheese Movies. I'm Scotty Coppage. He's going to come out to the coast and have a few laughs. It's my dad, Walter Coppage. How y'all doing? Hey. For our comfort food, we made a Twinkie cake. We also have regular Twinkies, Nestle's Crunch, and Ellis's Coca-Cola. Um, Shannon made this awesome cake, this like Twinkie cake. Um, it's like she baked two cakes together, like, two sponge cakes together, then like the icing, and you like have to put it on top of each other after they cool and it was like a it was like a cinnamon roll it was like a really delicious cinnamon roll did you have yours that we gave you dad i've got mine in the refrigerator you want me to go try it you can try yeah try it right now yeah fantastic yeah so we're talking about die hard today a movie i didn't want to just do as a throwaway or or someone that liked it i wanted to have a great show and conversation and also a great guest and who better than my father who took me to die hard in the theater We've seen all the Bruce Willis movies, plus all the diehards. Um, what, what do you do? You have anything you want to talk about, like right now, on that? We just, we as a family went to movies, and you, you went with us. And uh, many times, uh, if Mary Helen wasn't interested, it was just you and me. Well, let's do first taste. First time you saw the movie Die Hard, your relationship to it. And why is it a mac and cheese movie? Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, so when I watched it to get ready for the show, I watched it Sunday to try to get in the mind frame of what caused this movie to be a movie I saw like 12 times in the theater and could watch it over and over. Um, because when you get older, you find out, out all these people who worked on it and they're at the top of their craft and all the things that make it great. You know, but what made it resonate with me when I was a kid? Dad, do you remember why I love this movie so much? Well, I know you liked it enough that you went to the hunt for Red October because the same director directed it, which is a, uh, a level beyond what I am. Yeah, I, and I remember us seeing the hunt for Red October, and 
when we came out of the movie theater, the line for the next showing was like wrapped all the way around the mall. Um, I, I, I remember that. I just, I just know that I discovered Bruce Willis with his TV series Moonlighting. Uh, we saw uh, his first movie, which was Blind Date, which was more of a uh, physical humor in many respects, and uh, just love that. And when uh, Die Hard came out, uh, we saw it. You know, we, no, there was no doubt we weren't going to see it. We loved Moonlighting. We would watch that every week. Um, you know, he was a detective in that show, and then we saw, you know, we saw this movie. Um, you know, we would see. Um, you know, we loved Bruce Willis in Moonlighting. You know, we saw the trailer for this movie. Um, the movie looked good. You know, I can't say I was like I was excited to see it, but it wasn't like I was like this is going to be a movie I'm going to be talking about thirty years from now. Um, but it was just, uh, I remember telling mom I wouldn't be able to see it because it was R. And she said, well, you're with us. You'll get to see it. You know, so we saw, I think we were in Dallas or something. We weren't in Wichita Falls. Um, and then I saw the movie so many times. And, I, you know, I think a lot of it, you, you and mom were going to go see something. And I was like, we'll kind of see Die Hard instead. And so I'd see Die Hard. Or, um, it just, you know, we were, I was going into it a lot. I even had like a birthday, Die Hard birthday party just a few years ago. Um we got it when it came out on VHS. You know, some video rental store had the big display of the movie. You know, 40 stories of sheer adventure. And you asked them, can I have this when you're done with the promotion? And so we got it. And so we had this huge diehard cardboard display in our kitchen. Like at least six feet tall, you know, for a number of years. Do you remember that, Dad? Yes, I do. Uh, it was a uh, tremendous uh, display. Yeah, it was the real deal. Yeah, um, and I think I think I think we sold it at a garage sale or something. We really should have kept that. Mom used to have a lot of garage sales, and that's where it probably went. There's no telling how many times like I saw this movie, and you know some parents have been out of shape and don't let their kids see PG-13. You know, we we saw R movies, but if it was R for language or like action, it was fine. You know, if there was a lot, if there was a lot of sex in a movie. Yeah, I wasn't getting to see those. You know, we didn't see Basic, Basic Instinct or any, like, erotic thrillers or anything. We'd see, like, a lot of, like, action movies, you know? Well, we, we saw things like Predator and uh, Alien and uh, uh, all those type of movies uh, and had a, had a tremendous uh, life growing up going to the movies. Yeah. And, you know, whenever we saw Die Hard on opening night, it wasn't packed, it felt like. And usually, usually whenever I would see it, it was, I was like one of the only people in the theater. So when we saw Die Hard 2 on a Saturday or Sunday, like opening weekend, I think we'd been out of town on vacation. Um, where would we have been coming back from in 1990? 1990, we might have, uh, that might have been the year we went down to uh, uh, Disney World, but I'd have to check back. I remember we, you know, when we saw Die Hard 2, it was super packed, and we were coming up with the plan to not sit next to each other because it was so packed, and there'd be only like one seat here and there. Um, but we were able to sit together, and we were real close to the screen. I remember that. Um, we saw Die Hard with a Vengeance in '95 on opening day. We saw Live Free or Die Hard on opening day in the afternoon. I was on vacation. Someone answered their phone in the middle of the movie, and I yelled at them. Um, 
And then whatever Die Hard 5 was called, you know, we saw it on Valentine's Day when it came out. Um, so we've seen, we've seen all of the Die Hard movies opening weekend and together. It's been a, uh, a lifetime adventure. What is your, what did you remember what your favorite sequel is? Favorite Die Hard sequel? Probably the, the Die Hard 2 because it takes place at, uh, Washington National uh, Douglas Airport in uh, Washington D.C. Uh, simply because because I'm a pilot and we had been doing a lot of traveling uh, on the airlines around that time and uh, uh, it was that was probably my favorite sequel. But nothing is like the original. Uh, Mom and I watched the original uh, Tuesday night. Then last night, I was able to catch the second half of it before I went to bed. And every time I see it, it is a uh, – I love it. I just love seeing the movie. I love the lines. I love the action. Uh, I love the, uh, the actors. Definitely, definitely. Between the Die Hard movies, we saw like also a ton of Bruce Willis movies. Like what are some of your – favorite Bruce Willis movies that we saw? Mom Mom likes Sixth Sense an awful lot. Mm. Uh, the Last Boy Scout. I love Last Boy uh, Scout. It's just, uh, there's just a lot of great Bruce Willis movies that uh, we've enjoyed through the years. Yeah. I mean, even Look Who's Talking, you know, that's really fun. We, li- we liked, uh, we went to all the Look Who's mm. Talkings, uh, went to, uh, we're just a big Bruce Willis fan. Yeah, yeah. So for this movie, for Die Hard, he was able to do it because Sybil Shepherd got pregnant and he had about four weeks to do it. And then he was, the commentary talks about him shooting Moonlighting in the day and Die Hard at night. Something else I didn't really think of is they shoot Bruce Willis at an angle and then when he's talking to Powell or Hans, someone on the walkie-talkie, they're angled like they're having a conversation because none of that was shot together. It was months apart. But they have it to where... They're like almost like facing the same, like the, the direction towards each other when they do the shots. I also read that they, of course, I understand that they don't do movies in chronological order. But I really did not understand that they were going to shoot one of the last scenes first uh, that they talked about. And uh, the, the sequence of what they shoot when is very interesting. Another thing that's real interesting on a movie is the group of people who are working together. Uh, You will generally never have that same group of people together, but you will pick up a lot of the people will work on similar movies uh, with, say, the same director or with the same producers, like uh, uh, Rick Dukeman was had a very small part as a uh, uh, electrical worker, and then he was also in the Hunt for Red October uh, in a very small part. So you get you get a sense that certain people work well together, and then you keep you keep pulling them in on different projects. Let's talk about the ingredients. We've already talked about Bruce Willis. Um, Alan Rickman, 
You know, it feels like we saw him like in a ton of movies. And Al Rickman's career, I mean, this is his first movie. And he started acting when he was in his late 30s. He has been in a lot of great movies. But this, was, like you said, was his first, uh, first movie. And I also read that when he decided to be a, a, a host, an escaped hostage where they met uh, on one of the floors with John McClane, that they had not planned on that, but that he did such a great American accent that they they used that. Mm. Did you did you know that when he when when John McClane offers him a cigarette and he does, and he and he smokes it, he know he knows that he's one of the terrorists because it's one of those German cigarettes that he got. And they're supposed to be like a lot stronger. So like a, a regular person who's not used to that is just going to be coughing during, like if they're trying to try to smoke a German cigarette. Well, I knew that uh, John McClane was looking at how he reacted to the cigarette. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when, when we saw when you oh when we saw this movie, I remember this. And the big truck is driving to Nakatomi Plaza. You whispered to me, you know these are the bad guys because the music changed. And I just like I, I love I love I remember that I remember I, I love how you would like talk me through things in movies and what was going on and, and then also that truck you know when they shot that they didn't have really the ending with the ambulance in mind so when they walk out of the truck there's no ambulance back there and also like you couldn't have gotten all those people in an ambulance to get away so it's almost like Hans like expected a lot of people to die. Like during this, during this. Yes, I read that that was uh, uh, an afterthought to change that up a little bit, but uh, of course, uh, the actor that was pulling the uh, ambulance out of the truck, uh, he went on to a great career with uh, uh, Walker Texas Ranger. Oh, really? Is that yes. Theo? Is that Theo? He, he, huh? Yes, yes, Theo. He, he had a, a real nice career for a number of years uh, in the 90s with doing Walker, Texas Ranger. Mm. And he was also in, he's also in Top Gun. And I think he might be in Hunt for Red October. Uh, I do know he was in Top Gun. I can't remember uh, Hunt for Red October. He's, he's one of my fa- favorite terrorists in this movie, Theo. I love him. Alexander Gutenhoff, who has since passed away, as has Alan Rickman. You know, there was a a sense of when when all of a sudden you go back and you see a movie and then you start thinking about the people who have passed away that were younger than you, you start having a different perspective. And Rick Dukeman pa- passed on as well. Oh, he did? Yeah. This is about, I did not... I, about three or four years ago. I did not know that. Uh, he... Uh, all these folks that get together to make these movies, it's a tremendous collaborative effort. You you can't, you know, they, they recreate it on the next movie or the next movie after that, but it's never the same group of people. And even, like, John McTiernan directs Die Hard with a Vengeance. I mean, like, at that point, you know, Bruce Willis has been a big star for almost 10 years Things are going to be different with him than when he was like, you know, just starting out. I mean, there's just, you can't recreate it. Right. It is a, 
a, a different there's a different flow to every movie set depending on the stage of their career whether there's somebody new whether there's a different director I know that we had that with all the Star Wars movies with directors changing and uh, but still loving every one of them the movie itself, everything in the beginning like pays off later in the story. Holly taking the pit, the frame picture down and putting it down on the on the desk. All the all the all the setup, everything's good. I mean, is that why this movie like really kind of rises above maybe like Lethal Weapon or like any of those other other kind of movies? I don't know if every other movie has hints of what's going to happen in the future uh, in the beginning, but I know that this one did. Uh, just like when your mother and I are watching a movie at home, uh, I will make comments about things, and I will say, "That's watch this because it's going to come back into the into the plot." And and Die Hard had so many things come back. And uh, like Argyle is like a regular guy, you know, used to drive a cab, so he's real chatty. You know, so we get a lot of backstory there about John and Holly, like, you know, on the drive to the Nakatomi Plaza. Yeah, and, and Bruce Willis is sitting up front instead of in the back. Uh, John got into the front of the limo. He is not used to uh, that type of luxury of sitting in the back. Uh, Argyle's not used to driving a limo. He's used to being a taxi cab driver, like you said. And so... Uh, there is a different uh, atmosphere than if it had been a real uh, experienced uh, limousine chauffeur uh, and a limousine participant. And what, what do you think about like El the actor who plays Ellis, about his performance in this movie? Ellis is uh, a little bit over the top. He <laughs> is... Uh, Hans, booby... I'm your white knight. Yeah, he's over the top. Yeah. During the early 80s, there were a lot of stock trans, uh, stock mergers and buyouts. And that's where all your, your terminology of green male and uh, being a white knight, etc., came from. From uh, people like T. Boone Pickens, who uh, tried to buy... Uh, bigger oil companies than he had and uh, ended up walking away with a lot of money instead of the company, but at least he made money. And here in Texas, uh, people know about the uh, green mail and, and stock takeovers. And, and Ellis had all those, all those terms uh, in, in his field. Mm-hmm. Everyone is set up like kind of as they are. There's no, there's not really any double crossing or anything. Like what you see is what you get. Like with the characters here, but they're set up really quick, and you get a feel for all these characters. Like you, like for Powell and Dwayne Johnson and age, you know, or Dwayne Robinson and um, you know the FBI agents. And like you, you get a feel for all of these characters and like Takagi and um, it's it's. It's really remarkable to have like you know you've got about like twelve characters in this movie that like you could you could describe them like in one word with m most movies I don't think you'd be able to do that. It's a tremendous cast. Uh, 
I'm, I liked Bonnie Bedelia uh, as Holly Chanera McLean, uh, but I really like Reginald Bell Johnson as, as uh, Al Powell. Uh, he, he's coming out of a, a store where he's bought, bought food, and the, uh, then you still have the, him going to the, doing the slow drive-by to check out the, uh, uh, the Nakatomi Plaza. And uh, just the interaction between what Powell is doing and what Bruce Willis is seeing and, and, and verbalizing is, is a good back and forth. And, and when Powell like goes in, you know the guy's like, evening officer, you know, yeah, have uh, I look around and it's like, oh shit, I got fifty bucks on these assholes. Like, um, it, it, everything everything looks completely normal. The guy isn't spooked at all. But then, like, as um, Powell is like walking by, you see there's a guy like with a gun. If he goes like like past that hallway, right? If he goes past that hallway, he's going to be dead. Because uh, they're trying to get by with without alerting the police at that time, and uh, uh, it's just lucky that uh, Al was convinced that there was nothing wrong and he was headed home. This with your toes. This puts John McClane at like a disadvantage the whole movie. So he's already like not Arnold. He was like the with the first kind of movie star we saw who wasn't really bulky and big like in the eighties. You know, he's a regular guy, plus he's barefoot in this movie. You know, he's outmatched the whole movie, but gets, he gets by because he's crafty. He, like, figures things out the entire movie. He figures things out, and he is able to adapt. Uh, whether it is uh, knowing how to get an elevator door open, uh, knowing whether... Uh, what the reaction will be with uh, uh, C4 explosives and detonators drop down an elevator shaft. He's got it working. He doesn't do everything perfect, but he is he is on the offensive. Like, in, even at the end, when he's got the gun taped up in his back and he's able to, like, throw the machine gun down so they think that he's unarmed and he pulls that out. I mean, there's just all, all kinds of things like that, like the whole movie. Right, they'd already shown the shot where he only had two bullets mm-hmm. for the gun. Yeah, and so uh, uh, he he couldn't miss. Yeah, yeah. Um, things I didn't know when I was a kid is the line "You can walk out of here or be carried out." I thought carried out like being a kid, you're carried out by your parents sometimes. You know, not because you're dead. I didn't know that that's what that meant when he was saying you can walk out of here or you can be carried out. Yeah, there there are a lot of lines in the movie that that uh, uh, have an impact. And Jan de Bont is the cinematographer. He goes on to direct Speed and Twister. Um, this movie looks great now, and a lot of it's because it's real. The explosions are real explosions. It's not com- CGI computers. It's I mean, they're using the Nakatomi, that, the, that Fox building that they owned. Um, they're getting to use a lot. So, I mean, all, a lot of that stuff is, is real stuff that you're seeing, and I think that's one reason why it looks so great, and it holds up. It holds up in 2020. It hold, it holds up in 2020. Uh, I have just as much fun watching the movie 
Tuesday night at home as I did watching it in the theater. You miss the other audience members' reactions, but it's still a fabulous movie. Yeah, yeah. And also what I read is like the, the, the geography is really good in this movie. Like as far as you know exactly where he is in the building and there's stuff like that's why the naked girl is on top. So you and you see him touching it when he's because he knows exactly where he is. Um, and then but us as an audience member, it's not like overwhelming or we can't don't really figure it out. Like we know the layout of stuff in this movie. Yes. Uh, you know, we know that they are have still got several floors above them. Uh, under construction, and uh, it is just a tremendous uh, to be able to go back and forth between the finished floors where the hostages are held and the unfinished floors where all the fighting is going on. And the, the elevator shaft scene, the stuntman really fell, and they had that shot, and they just used it. Yes, I do. I read that. And... Uh, I don't, I don't know how anybody can catch themselves on a on a ledge uh, with their hands uh, as they're falling. But but obviously, thank goodness uh, that was able to have the stunt mm-hmm. stunt man uh, survive. And it's you know it's a, the movie's like a confined space. It doesn't let up. You know, I mean, the story is building and going forward. It's not two hours of him like hiding out. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in this movie. The robbery, the cops, the FBI. You know, most of the diehard knockoffs, like, didn't have all that going on. And I think that's why they were kind of, like, they were never able to, like, rival, like, what they did in this movie. Also, the uh, as I read, they had originally conceived it as going over about three days. But the... Uh, they changed it to the Shakespearean idea of uh, basically uh, the time of the movie is the time that it takes place. Mm-hmm. I read that too. It's very, it's very, it's very Shakespeare. Die Hard's very Shakespeare. Um, I love that Holly isn't a damsel in distress. I mean, she's tough. She's smart. Like Hans, like respects her because you know she like you know, kind of fights fights him on things and, like, says, like, this is what we need, like, bathroom trips and, like, all this stuff. Like, um, I love Bonnie Bedelia in this movie. Uh, she was great. Uh, the, the fact that she had a career, that she had a career that took her to the other coast and uh, took, her, took her kids because she and John weren't getting along. Uh, but, you know, it's not like she was a housewife who uh, didn't have her own money, etc. The cops, the FBI, are awful. Like when, like, when, like when the SWAT goes in, one of them gets messed up by a rose bush on the way in. And, you know, so these macho guys coming in and these guys in suits eating, like, Nestle's Crunches are going to take them on. You know, and Theo's like, the quarterback is toast. Like, I mean, so it's like the outsiders are heroes, and that includes, like, Hans and the crew. It's like, it's almost, it's very, it's very anti-establishment, like, all of this movie. Yes, the, uh, the, it, it all almost looked like that there, that the police department 
had no real plan to solve the problem. And uh, they weren't utilizing uh, all the information that they had with John McClain in there. They just did not want to believe that that uh, uh, John wasn't just one of the terrorists feeding them some, some bad information. Watching this movie again and how strong it is, you know, Die Hard is like the Guns N' Roses album, Appetite for Destruction. So it's like everyone working on this movie is at another level, and the performances, the crew, you know, it doesn't look like other action movies. It's unique. Um, like when John jumps off the building, you know, if this was like an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, they just do it. But here you see how tall the building is. He's tied to the fire hose. He, like, hesitates, like, jumping off. He's pretty freaked out. Um, and then he has to shoot his way into the window, and then the thing comes down, and he's got to get out of the fire hose that he's tied himself to. Yeah, that was a, a, a real uh, suspenseful uh, sequence that that I just, uh, you know, you, you see the uh, real fall, and you know that it's you know it's going to be coming that it's going to start tugging on him, and he hasn't figured it out for a second, and then all of a sudden it clicks, and you both you and him realize what he's got to do. And they're aware of the pacing of this movie. You know, they said they can't have just wall to wall action scenes. Like they have to kind of mean something, and they kind of have to build. You have to build up that that tension. Um, what did you think about the pacing of this movie? <clears throat> I'm not the movie expert that you are. I never have been. But I do know that uh, going, the, the scene where the truck was driving uh, to the Nakatomi Plaza, uh, you go past a gasoline station that had gasoline for 79.9. Ah. Uh, you go, so you know today that that was a while back mm -hmm. uh, there was also not that much traffic for the truck as it was headed there uh, not like the uh, traffic that has been exist existing in Los Angeles for the last 10-15 years yeah. but uh, to be able to go from that to the next thing you go from the party to where John is uh, in a room taking his shoes off uh, to kind of calm down from his flight uh, before he joins his wife in in the uh, uh, Christmas party, and it it there was a it just the back and forth. The FBI ends up being the ones that opened the vault um, because they cut the power. Yeah, obviously uh, Hans had researched it and knew that this was this was what was going to happen and uh, uh, that that was the that was the playbook uh, for a terrorist operation uh, and he was going to use it to his advantage mm -hmm. do you know what barabons are dad yes I do what are they barabons and those were in hundred thousand dollar denominations and if you have a bearer bond in your possession, you can walk up and redeem it for the $100,000. There is no name on a bearer bond. It's whoever is bearing, whoever, whoever has it to get redeemed, that's the person that gets the money. 
So it was just like cash, almost. Mm -hmm. And uh, I liked at the end of the movie, now $640 million in bearer bonds, even if they're $100,000 each, that's a lot of paper. And that's what made it a Christmas movie, snowing as the paper came down at the end of the movie all around and it was just, it was almost like it was snowing in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And just anybody could be, be picking that's up That's what I thought of when I saw it. That's great. That's a great insight. Um, did you think those were Takagi's Barabons? Do you think that Takagi was dirty at all? Um, no, no. He, he was just uh, an officer in a large corporation that dealt in uh, in finance, and that's what was one of the assets of the of the business. Uh, that I, I have no thought about it being illegal. It was just uh, a large corporation, and instead of uh, keeping money in the bank, uh, they had money in bearer bonds, uh, and there are reasons for that. John is crafty throughout the movie, and we were talking about like you know him being on the elevator to hear what they are saying and writing the names down, like on his arm, like just kind of all the way he gathers information is is really interesting when you watch this movie. Yes, it is, and of course, uh, he was in several situations where he was just above the bad guys. Uh, he was on the roof of the elevator when the elevator came down. He was in an air shaft that uh, Alexander Gutenhoff started firing at. Mm -hmm. And then, and then, push, and, and then uh, pushing, pushing the, the build, the, the, um, the pushing top. the metal. Yeah, pushing to the see metal. whether he was there. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, I mean, it's just a tremendous amount of action and a, a thoroughly enjoyable movie. So Die Hard launches like its own genre. You know, for years, the pitch to studios was Die Hard on a blank. Um, let me tell you some of the movies we saw. We saw Under Siege with Steven Seagal. You said we saw Speed. We saw Passenger, yes. 50, Passenger 57. We saw, yep. we saw Cliffhanger, you know, Die Hard on a Mountain. We saw Air Force One, um, Toy Soldiers, and there's like some other ones. What are some? What, what are your? What, what are some ones you really enjoy out, out of out of these that they made? One of my favorite is Speed. Speed is great. Speed is my favorite too. Because because basically I was introduced to Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves, mm -hmm. and uh, and that set up a whole a whole. Uh, set of movies for each of them to participate in that uh, have been wonderful going to see. Mm -hmm. The thing about these movies is that a movie can cost $100 million and I get to see it for 10 Yeah. I mean, they spend all this money to do this great thing and I, I only have to spend $10 to see it. And that's what's wonderful. 
Well said. Well put. Well put. Let's, um, we took some listener questions about Die Hard. Is it a Christmas movie, Dad? A lot of that's a very divisive subject when it gets to the holiday time. I know what Bruce Willis said at his roast. He said it was a Bruce Willis movie, not a Christmas movie, but I guarantee you it's a Christmas movie. It takes place on Christmas Eve. There are Christmas songs. It's at a Christmas party. And I guarantee you all the paper floating down from the building at the end looks like snow. Um, did you know that Frank Sinatra had the rights from the book? So we had the first option to play McLean. Um, and he turned it down because he was 73 years old. And then all these actors turned this movie down, like Arnold, Sly, Burt Reynolds. Um, I think they probably asked Harrison Ford. It, but, you know, they get... How lucky are they to have gotten Bruce Willis? Because, I mean, it's he's such a fish out of water in this movie. And, you know, if Clint Eastwood was John McClane, it's kind of... I don't, it's a completely different movie. I don't even think it works as well. Clint would have done the movie somewhat like Dirty Harry and... Uh, it's a completely different genre, uh, even though they're they're both police officers. Uh, the number of people that, that turn the movie down is amazing, and I know that that happens in Hollywood all the time, that someone turns down a movie and it ends up making someone else a star, but that's what it did for Bruce Willis. Have you done the fist with your toes thing after a flight, Dad? Have you ever tried that? Yes, I have. Did it, did it do it, anything it for does, you? It, it, it helps. Does it? What does it, it do? Uh, I've, try, I've tried it, and I, don't, I didn't think it did anything. What did it do for you? It it just... There's, there's some tenseness in your feet that when you start gripping the carpet with your, your toes uh, and trying to make a fist with your toes... It, it it does make a difference. Someone was talking about the book that there's a book that this movie's like based off of. Um, it's about a guy in a executive skyscraper. There's a lot of changes like in the book. Like it's a retired cop trying to save his daughter. The villain is different. It looks like all the changes they made were for the better. It is a nice package of a movie. It is a a, a great story. It has great acting, and the special effects uh, are unbelievable. The doggy bag. What are you taking home? What's the legacy of Die Hard? Die Hard is a movie that demonstrates being prepared, thinking three steps ahead, and not underestimating your competition. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'd say this launched Bruce Willis's career. The movie looks great 30 years later. It created a whole subgenre of films, launches Alan Rickman's career. The movie gets better and better as I get older because I see different things with it and I understand things more as the years go on. Um, your movie came out of nowhere and it was something new and different, and Die Hard is Appetite for Destruction. It is a great movie that I could see another 50 times. And I, and I think we probably will. Okay. Um, do you have anything else you want to say before we close out? 
No, I just want to let everybody know that if you haven't been to movies with your kids for years and years and years, go. If you like the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can email us at macandcheesemovies at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Mac and Cheese Movie. This is your idea of Christmas. I gotta be here for New Year's. Good night.